Blog Talk Radio. just so crack up, Stephen. It's not funny. I don't deserve a, a fanfare, for God's sake. Yes, we are on uh, Carl's Tavern is on uh, 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 Steve's video store, Wildside uh, Radio, and uh, I want to thank Stephen for having us on today and, and helping promote what we're doing here. We're doing a series of uh, podcasts on Filipino film, and uh of course, Stephen is here. Say hello, Stephen. Hello. And uh, with us is special guest Noel Vera. Noel uh, and I just did a podcast on on the Deviant Legion, uh, and we're over here today on our second podcast about Filipino uh, uh, films, and we're talking specifically about horror films. Uh, I'd like to introduce Noel Vera, and Noel, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and and, and uh, your writing and everything that you do. Thanks, uh, Carl, having me back and uh, bringing me back from the dead, so to speak. <laughs> okay. Yes. Filipino films, uh, we love horror. We love to be scared to death. I'd say maybe 20% of the movies we make are horror. Um, and uh, we've been doing horror since... Uh, uh, Ang Aswang in 1933 when we were still doing uh, black and white silent films in 1933. Uh, so uh, it's never gone out of fashion. Those has been around. And here's the crazy thing. Uh, our great filmmakers, uh, Jerry DeLeon and Eddie Romero, they started out doing uh, big budgeted studio films and then they ended in horror exploitation films. And uh, don't quote me as uh, gospel truth, but uh, at one point, and Carl, you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, 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 Jerry DeLeon's Terror is a Man uh, became so popular that American horror filmmakers started imitating these Filipino horror films just to make money. Oh, I I, I think there was a definitely cross-culturalization there. Uh, I ran across Terror as a Man, uh, and we talked about this briefly on uh, last podcast, was uh, uh, watching uh, uh, Chiller's Theater in Pittsburgh with Chili Billy Cardelli, and I was a young kid. And that, that came on uh, uh, one Saturday night, and I watched it and loved it. Uh, uh, but, uh, Stephen, when did you first uh, run across that title, Terror as a Man? Well, not Terror as a Man, but... 
before I tell a little history, when a little one-year-old Stephen went to the drive-in, and uh-huh. all I can remember was this guy, when I see his picture later, I'm like, yeah, John Ashley. And he was right. in the middle of the jungle, and there was this guy in a wrestling mask looking at him. And I always wondered, what in the name of the Lord was that movie? That's the only moment of the movie I can remember. And then later I ran into Andrew Levinhold, and he said, that had to be Beast of the Yellow Knight. Mm. <laughs> but Terror and the Man was distributed by Hemisphere Pictures. And they just put out a great box set of it last year that has uh, Terror of the Man, the Blood Trilogy, and Beast of the Yellow Knight. All right. That's, oh, good. Nice. That's good to hear. But, yeah. Yeah. Hemisphere Pictures had big hits with all of them. Mm-hmm. And they made so much money that in the early 70s, well, the, the exploitation filmmakers, preferably the guy at the head of New World Pictures, I ain't going to name his name because he's been over-talked about on this subject, decided to take over the franchise from him, from him and to go over there and use that crew to make exploitation movies. Mm-hmm. So Satan is a man had a giant impact is definitely an understatement. Terror is a Man is a low-budget, okay, a no-budget horror film. And it uh, it uh, made enough money that uh, they started the Blood Island. It's the first, the unofficial first uh, installment of Blood Island, a quadrilogy, if you like. Uh, then it led to the Blood Island movies. And uh, Jerry DeLeon probably did, uh, uh, co-directed with Eddie Romero, the first one, which is visually the most interesting of those three and you'd be surprised how bloody they had interesting and nudity and uh and uh, i think carl in our other podcast you mentioned how how uh voluptuous the feel of the jungle is it's claustrophobic it's it's humid you you, you feel yourself starting to sweat in those uh, uh in those movies oh absolutely absolutely that's the one thing that really gets me about filipino films or pinoy films is that the the sense of place just is so oppressive with the humidity and 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 the overgrown uh, flora and everything. And it's just like I hate I hate the, the 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 summer. I hate hot and humid. So it's just like ew. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Carl, speaking of voluptuous, yes. wasn't Angelique Pettigian a great actress in those movies? She was great. He was she, great. She, you know, I I have to say this. Um, I haven't seen those in years, but I wasn't thinking her as a great actress. I was going, huh, huh, huh. I was doing some heavy breathing, actually, and I was only, what, about eight or nine. <laughs> so bad me. But, yes, uh, um, she, what, the last time I saw one of those was in the – Late '80s, and and I did reassess it, and it was the first of the Blood trilogy. No, not Terror is the Man, but the next one. And, blood, and, Brides of Blood. Yeah, exactly, Brides of Blood, and and that 
I really enjoyed it. I thought it was well done. You know, I have a, uh, 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 I have a great uh, uh, affection for films in that era, in in, in the late sixties, early seventies, uh, uh, whether they be you know Pinoy or whether they be some of the Mexican stuff of that time or whatever of other cultures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing about it, about any of them actually, is that sense of place because it's different than what I knew, and so I was more interested in it. And and the idea of one of the ones that I, I focus on because I love the film is um, what's the one that... Um, oh, uh, um, the one with Pam Greer, and it's the... Uh, uh, Twilight uh, People. Twilight People, yeah. It's, it's the <laughs> remake sort of Dr. Moreau. But Twilight People, I, I, I think, is just amazing in, in, in terms that I really, really liked it. Even though it was low budget and that sort of thing, I, I, I just there's just something about it that, and it's not just Pam Grier. As we all know, I love Pam Grier, but but uh, I'm talking about the film itself and, and the uh, everything about it. You know, so again, it's that sense of place for me. And uh, sure. Jack Hill has said that that Pinoy crew that worked on his films and that worked in the exploitation films in the genre was the best film crew that he ever worked on. Hmm. Well, well, we had best filmmakers, right? Doing yeah. low budget exploitation. And I'm talking across the board. You had the best filmmakers. You had one of the best stunt teams. You had one of the best cameramen. Mm-hmm. They knew how to work where they were, and they could do it in their sleep and just get it done very quickly, and it would look. And none of the films looked like they were shot for pennies. They looked great. For no budget. No, for yeah. just a film, period. They looked great. I mean, I mean, they oh, had no budget, but they made it look great. Yeah. Mhm. Well, okay, you know, so it's, just it's want... a sense. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, just just, just want to add. Um, if you're looking at uh, adaptations of I, I love Doctor Moreau, uh, it's funny, but not uh, like other adaptations. You you kind of have to look backwards because the latest one was John Frankenheimer's, right? And anyone can say that's a good movie. I mean, it's fun. No. Right? No, it's a horrible then, film. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm trying to say it nicely. Then there was the one before that with Michael York, and he looked like, uh, you know, for the, the cowardly line Wizard of Oz. Right? Mm-hmm. They need to go backwards. Then you have Terry's a Man, Twilight People, and then before that, Island of Lost Souls. So uh, when we're talking the best adaptation, Terry's a Man has a big, a good chance. Uh, Island of Lost Souls had Charles Lawton, but Terry's Man had Jerry DeLeon. It had the look. It had the wonderful look where the camera is like a, 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 a character all its own. It just kept sneaking around the jungle like a separate character, like a, a predator on its own. Right? Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Then you have Greta, uh, Greta Sisson, Sison, who I'd say... Uh, 
rivals Patty John in the talent uh, department, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, understood. There you go, right? <laughs> but 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 here's the thing, right? Uh, her character uh, develops a sneaking sympathy for the creature, and that's not something that you see in a lot of. Where you actually, in the end, you feel sorry for the monster. Yeah, and, and that's that's one of the things about monster movies, and we've talked about it to a certain degree. That even like the old Universal monster movies, I remember being a kid and watching Frankenstein and crying at the end okay, of that yeah. movie because I felt felt bad for the for the creature, you know. And, and I think you you there should be some sympathy. Or some sense that you can at least understand why the monster is doing what the monster is doing. Right. I guess the best ones have that. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, and if I, let, you don't mind, I'll mention the, You go ahead. You go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. Well, no, go ahead. Yeah. This one uh, went on to, uh, and I mentioned this in other podcasts, two vampire movies, right? Blood Drinkers mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Blood is the Color of the Night, if I remember right the name. And uh, at least the second one, uh, Color of the Wind, the vampire movie, was shot by Mike mm-hmm. Action. Mike Action shot all of Jerry DeLeon's best movies. He was a world class. I put him in. Uh, uh, in the same league as Kazuo Miyagawa or uh, Nestor Almendros, at least. He's, he was a great filmmaker, uh, cinematographer, and he shot a cheapo, no-budget vampire movie. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things we were talking about, the crew, and, and, you know, the thing about it is that these people that worked on these films were basically a family. They knew each other, and so they could be efficient and know exactly how, you know, you know, with budgetary constraints, what can we do? How can we get around certain things? How can a shot look this way and that without spending all this money? And 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 this the sense of efficiency and how they got everything done quickly and on budget is is it's an amazing thing. You know, how many how many movies go over budget, you know? But not here. They couldn't afford it. Yeah, let me correct myself. the The title of that vampire movie that's shot by Mike Action, directed by Jerry DeLeon, is uh, "Blood of the Vampires." The better known title, and the uh, official right. title, I think, is uh, "Whispers to the Wind." Whisper to the Wind, something like that. Mm-hmm. Stephen, do you know that one at all? Yeah, it was put out ironically on a double feature with the Blood Drinkers. Okay. Everyone remembers Blood Drinkers, right? Blood Drinkers was a black and white movie uh, where they had the vampire shave his head and uh, wear a pair of punk uh, shade glasses. But he looked great. He looked like Marlon Brando and Paul And then sometimes (laughs) Jerry DeLeon would flood the screen with red and blue, you know, like a Michael Powell movie. And... uh, and here's the thing. Uh, I know so, at least one film critic that states that, you know, I'll bet you Guy Madden saw this movie before he made 
uh, pages of a virgin's diary. You want to bet? Oh, I would not be surprised. Uh, actually, I absolutely. I, I love men's uh, men's Dracula. I freaking love yeah. that film. And, but you and, take and a look the, at the, that, and you take a look at the blood drinkers. Oh yeah, I can right? see that in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. The, the sepia, really, and and, and that sure. not exactly black and white. Monochrome. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, monochrome. That's how you put it. With with flashes of color. Mm-hmm. But if he had the guts, he'd shave his vampire and put on a pair of punk glasses, right? Right. So so tell me something. We want to get into a little bit of the uh, folk tales and, and, and that of uh, Filipino area. And um, you have specific films that are, you know, feature specific monsters of the area. Why don't you, like, Go through some of the monsters and give us uh, some suggestions of films to watch. Well, um, well, well the, the one thing I'd like to talk about is the horror franchise, starting in uh, okay. uh, what? What's the first movie called? Uh, it was Shake, Rattle, and Roll. And Roll horror movies. I can't mm-hmm. really remember. 1984, that's the year. The first one came out, right? Mm-hmm. And the last, the last, uh, first, the first, uh, it was like a, you know, uh, shorts, right? Different stories. The first and the last right, one was the right. most interesting. The first one's called, yeah. The first one's called Prigidier, which is Filipino, uh, Filipino uh, version of Refrigerator. And it featured a killer fridge. And I remember you loved the idea of that, right? Yeah, mm-hmm, because we're, we'll talk about, uh, was it Yardo? Uh, did the remake of that. Rico Ilardo. We were talking about that. Ilardo, yeah. 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 The first movie was shot by Ishmael Bernal. He's one of the major Filipino filmmakers, uh, at least as uh, well regarded as Lena Broca. And he made it as a horror okay. comedy, and no one had ever seen that before. Uh, a horror film that was funny. It was very witty. Uh, the, the refrigerator is real sneaky. I mean, you're in the Philippines, it's real hot. First thing you do is open the door and cool yourself in front of it. So this young girl, her name is uh, Janice de Belen. She's a nubile, very slim uh, young girl, and she's sweating. It's, it's night, and the night's like 85, 90 degrees, right? First thing she does, she pulls open the refrigerator, and you can see the way he shot and lit it. It looks like uh, the refrigerator is like kind of caressing her with its mouth, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm yeah. sweating a little thinking about that image. And the films are from 1984. And the last one was made in 2014. That's right. There was a remake, and by Rico Elardi. And he's an interesting filmmaker, too. Um, he recreated that, then he goes a step further. I mean, uh, the, the fridge will open, all its victims, they, they, you'll see them in there, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, uh, I won't say any more, but shall we say, uh, 
he he's of he's of the school of if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. Okay, we understand. Yeah. So he had the bigger budget and he went to school with that budget. I mean, you can see every pet so on the big screen. And it's really I'm I'm saying it's a lot of fun. It's not the same creature as the original. The original is a low budget, right. nice little gem, a very sly movie. This one wears a tour on its sleeve. But it's still funny and it's still I think a lot of fun. Well definitely want to check that one out. Uh I yeah, know the series on Amazon. Uh, right. I, I know this series a little bit because it came out on, on on VHS and I was in Bradford at the time and somebody gave me a VHS of one of them. It wasn't the first one, it was like the third or fourth uh Shake Rival Rolling. He says, You gotta watch this. And I yeah, watched it and I thought it was of them as far as I remember. Yeah, yeah. I don't know which one and I don't remember too much about it, but all I could tell you is is I thought it was quite unique and, and anthology films and one of them was scary, one of them was more of a drama and then one of them was funny. With three stories. Yeah. That I do remember. Yeah, that's right. Uh, fifteen. You know I, I, I saw Okay, Stephen, go ahead. After they and I don't know how many films out before they did this, but they took the earlier films and busted them up and made a TV show out of it just by cutting each of the film's episodes into television episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. I've done that. They've done that. Mm-hmm. So, that was, so the TV show wasn't any new... Uh, Material was just material from the whole series that they just cut up. Nothing new. No, yeah, absolutely. It's like a remake and almost shot for shot. Okay. Um, Same cast the, or different? No, different cast. Oh, oh, wait a minute. The young girl was cooling herself in the fridge in the first one, plays the mother of the hot young number in the new movie. Oh, cool. That's cool. Uh, yeah. She, she's yeah. a great actress. Uh-huh. Uh, also, nice. the, third, the, third, the third segment was called Mananangal, and I talked to you about that creature, right? Yeah, but, but go ahead and remind me. I tend to be a bit of an yeah, airhead. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, uh, but, uh, you know, it's always a pleasure to, 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 to describe this thing. Mananangal literally it means uh, uh, some uh, a, a separator. Uh, it's usually a young girl, mm-hmm. right? Right. When the sun sets, she mm-hmm. sprouts a pair of bat wings, and she pulls her upper half of her body away from the lower half, and flies away, and uh, eats people. You know, and she grab them up and gobble them up, and you know, eat up all their innards. And if you're lucky or unlucky, you find the lower half with the intestine still pulsing, uh, standing on the ground. And if you know what to do, you either pour dinuguan uh, uh, or vinegar on that lower half, and it'll melt down to the ground. And then the upper half will come back towards dawn, towards sunrise, find its lower half melted away, and will scream in anger, and then... The, 
the sun will catch it and it'll like uh, burn up. Okay. So what do you so, think? So it's I, I like it. Have you ever yeah. seen anything or heard anything like that, Stephen? No, but I know the half swing, which is just the <laughs> head and the innards, and you have to track down the body. It, it's basically the same. I think they have something like that in uh, Indonesia. Yeah. Or Malaysia. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Mario Hanna yeah. did uh, a Manananggal movie, Manananggal in Manila. And, and again, I told you about that, but uh, again, uh, always a pleasure to tell you about it again. Uh, basically, he had even smaller budget than in Shake, Rattle, and Roll. So he had uh, no budget. And uh, he, the challenge was, how are you going to show something that spectacular um, without any money for special effects? And what he did, uh, he didn't show it. He he did. He went the, the Steven Spielberg route in Jaws, you know, when the shark that, like right. malfunction. Yeah, he just mm-hmm. suggested the presence of the creature, and it's brilliant. I mean, you should see it the way he uses camera angles and editing, and you know, it's pretty great filmmaking. Except towards the end, when you have to show the creature, then it's a girl with a garbage a pair of garbage bags flapping behind her. Now you would tell me about that, right? Well, you know, you know. I mean, you you do what you can with the budget you have, and sometimes, you know, you have to do something like that. But but as I said before in our previous podcast, it's all about the 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 passion, and 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 you can see if you you believe in in the project. There's this passion that comes through and how you film it and how you do it. And whether or not you're a good filmmaker or a bad filmmaker, that passion still comes through. And that that's what really makes a low-budget film for me, is if I see sure. that. So, yeah. Sure. That's not like uh, a uh, giant flaw, Carl. Whereas the whole movie before is the, the turkey buzzard, the turkey buzzard shows up. It's scary, it's tense, you know there's a monster out there. Yeah. And then, when I call it a turkey buzzard, I'm not exaggerating, am I, Carl? (laughs) No, you're not. (laughs) No, you're not. Not by a long shot. But still, there's something, you know. Go ahead, Carl. Go ahead. And well, then I, when I it shows so, up, it just totally ruins the movie because the monster is one of the goofiest-looking creatures you could ever see. It's yeah, like but you know what? Because it is goofy. Right, but it, because it is goofy-looking, we love him. That's part of the fun. You know, we watch that movie, and we know that monster is goofy and that sort of thing, but it doesn't matter because we love it. Because they tried to do something on no budget, and, and, and for three quarters of the movie, they didn't show it. When they finally had to, hey, it's what it is. You know, I love I, I love my my uh, my turkey monster movie too. You know, uh, 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 you know, it's just one of those things. Here's the crazy That's thing the about Manana Brothers Manila. Here's the crazy thing about okay. Mario Harris. 
Yeah, it starts as a monster hunt, right? A young girl trying to end, uh, you know, the reign of terror of this monster on Manila. Then it turns out that it's not the monster. It's it's a spirit being. And it, the, the whole thing escalates to becoming a war on earth, a, a coming war. That's what it's suggesting. So, you know, the, the script is so friggin' ambitious, but the budget has no way of showing any of it. So he suggests it. You know, it's amazing. Well, you know, if you take a look at back back at like the Bal Luton films of the '40s and uh, uh, early '50s, and what he did, and and you take a look at uh, uh, um, Curse of the Cat People, uh, oh, and yeah. and what he did with Shadows and things like that. What you're suggesting to me is is exactly the same thing is that he does it with shadows, he does it with the camera work, and he builds this sense of dread. And you don't need a huge budget for that if, you, if no, you're a good no. filmmaker and know how to do it. Yeah, but you're forgetting in Cat People, there never is any real say, is there really a monster in it? That was his point. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So this guy, though, um, you know, there's 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 uh, skill, then there's talent, and then there's just crazy. And uh, Mario Harrow, mm-hmm. his scripts are crazy. They can be crazy, and th- in this case, it was crazy. And uh, you're, you're almost like, oh, I wish he had a budget like a hundred million dollars to do what he wanted to do. But uh, part that's part of the appeal, right? You're, you, uh, what could have been? Right. And what he did with what he had, too. You know, yes, that's true. You know, exactly. So and so what other crazy, monsters are there down the, there in, in the Philippines? Yeah, now, I was just uh, going to say, what other monsters are there down there? Uh, there was the Aswang, a vampire. And I mentioned that okay. it, they, they had an Aswang as far back as 1933. Uh, not by Gerardo de Leon. I, I was... Mistaken about that by uh, someone else, and uh, there's uh, an, a recent version called Yangao uh, Affliction by Richard Soames. Again, no budget, and uh, what happens is uh, a young girl gets bitten, then she turns, she turns monster. But uh, you know, no, 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 no special effects, no prosthetics, not a lot. You know, not, not a lot of digital effects at all. Uh, but the crazy thing is, it's it's moving, very affecting, because this young girl is someone's daughter, and he patiently builds a family around her, a dad that cares, a mother, a, 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 a baby a baby from the brother, you know, a, a cousin or a, a, a nephew. And, uh, and when uh, he turns into a monster... Uh, they they're 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 hit they're hit hard like uh, and you're hit because you care about these people you don't want any of them to die. Right. It's built on drama with a monster in it that just happens to have a monster. Right. And one of the nice now, things and, about and, the Aswang is it's so visually arresting that you really don't need major effects for it because just the look of it shocking enough as is. Well, uh, they, yeah, they didn't 
put much uh, special effects into horror. But the thing is, when she's munching on some guts, those aren't pathetic guts. You know, they're probably real thing. Uh, yeah. Probably from a pig or something. I'm not sure what. Yeah, doing a George Romero. Anything. Yeah, there yeah. you go, like George Romero. Right. Exactly. Right. Oh, that's available on, uh, I know Amazon would have it. It's on uh, Cinema One Originals. YouTube might have it. Okay. Oh, there's a lot yeah. on yeah. YouTube. Sure. There's if a lot on YouTube. the dice if they're subtitled or not. Yeah, absolutely. Because the dub versions aren't worth a penny. There's uh, uh okay that's the that's a swung right yeah mm-hmm. then there's the capre and the capre is like this giant he's half man half horse half goat no that's tikbalang the capre is this monstrous hairy being that lives up in a tree he smells of urine and uh, usually he kind of uh, uh, what do you call this, stalks young girls. If he's in love with them, um, he tries to persuade them to marry him. If they don't marry him, they he'll curse them and they'll, their, their skin gets covered with boils. Oh, lovely. Isn't it? Is that great? Yeah. Yeah. Half man, half soul. <laughs> yeah, I haven't run across that before. Oh, no, wait a minute. Uh, the the capra is all monster. It's all hairy. The half man, half horse, the thick balang. Okay. And it can be a childhood friend. It can follow a girl all her life. And and what does the thick balang do? I mean, what, um, what kind of... Uh... Actually, it could be a friend if, uh, you know, you're not careful. It can be a lover if you want to go that direction. Okay, like a centaur and, or something like that from Greek? Yeah, or a little more a like a succubus. Oh, oh okay. Yes. Uh, okay, so okay, a succubus, gotcha. Yeah, like a pan figure. Okay. Oh, okay. Or, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. No, actually, uh, there, the, the, some pictures have them um, like a human figure with the head of a horse. Okay. The copra, the yeah. The copra, you'll find, uh, again, Maria Hara did one. Uh, it's called, uh, okay, here's the crazy thing. Uh, the a- original title is Demons. And the producer turned it into Pangarap ng Puso, which means hope of the heart, because there's a love story in it. So she was hoping to set the love angle. Is that weird or what? No. Yeah, that, that's a little weird. A little bit. Hey, here's the crazy thing, right? Um, it's, uh, it's a monster story. There's a monster in it, right? Uh, haunts the young girl childhood, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then it's uh, when she grows up, because it's in the provinces, uh, it's 
uh, this uh, political unrest there, and the Philippine military uh, tends to massacre the poor people around. So she tends Ooh. to confuse the, the, the soldiers with this is the copra, the all hairy guy. That smells of piss. No. Yeah. So it, there, there's a, all sorts of politics mixed in as well, where it gets yeah. confused talking a childhood uh, monster or a present day political threat. Yeah. And that's what I've always loved about exploitation horror. You can, like, what do you mean you're doing a political movie against the government? Oh, no, we're not. There's a monster in here, and it smells like <laughs> a half-man, half-monster comes with piss. We're not doing anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. Put, like, a little chocolate coat. You add a little yeah. blood to the mix, and you can get away with saying any message you want, and most people will accept it even those that usually wouldn't watch something on the political subject. Sure. Mm-hmm. George Romero's films are all political. All yeah. of them, right? Absolutely. All yeah, the and, and social comment and political comment, absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and it's the, the Americans, what he did with the zombie film was not just rethink the whole thing, but he, he put in so much commentary and so much social... Uh, um, unrest in his films and things like that that you know that's the one thing that most films after that period after 68 uh, uh, certainly took a a couple of pages from Romero and you've got lots of uh, political comment and so on and so forth and not just in American films but all all around you know Uh, certainly Del Toro Twins of Evil. Okay, it's no. the last of their Cornerstein right. vampire movies, but the real evil in the movies are these puritanical witch hunters. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think that's in The Mist too, right? That recent The Mist. Yes. yes. Sure. Absolutely. Bad guy was born again, right? Mhm. Yeah, actually, it's uh, a woman in the mist. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, another one I'd like to talk about. Well, just mentioned. Uh, by the way, demons, Mario Hara. Um, this, as far as I know, there's, it's not available. There used to be a VCD out. I don't know if you can find that on Amazon or anything like that. But uh, that's that's hard to find, uh, if if uh, at all possible. I wish it would come out. Another great uh, Filipino filmmaker who did horror, his very first film is Mike DeLeon. He, he, he was the producer and cinematographer of Manila in the Clots of Neon by Lina Broca. And his first film was uh, like a ghost story about uh, a young girl. Uh, it's about this young girl who lives in a house and uh, her father, if I remember right, well, there's this father figure there who's paralyzed. And what no one knows is that the father has secrets. Apparently he's responsible for the death of a young girl. That young girl is haunting this girl right now. So it's like a haunted house movie. Okay. I always like those and, stories. Uh, yeah. And, and, and the, the crazy thing is uh, there's like found that uh, 
Hideo Nakata uh, did his internship in the, the studio where Mike DeLeon works, LVN Studios. And he, he probably saw it, Tim, and, uh, which is the name of the film, right to spring, but uh, the, the Filipino titles, Itim, are black. And it probably influenced his films, including Ringu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised at that. Yeah, always, that, that, that's nothing I can prove, but, you know, that's the story. Yeah, I always do like it when uh, you get a basic ghost stories like that, like there's a ghost haunting the house, the father or someone has secrets pertaining to the ghost. And then you go to each country's culture and see what spices and special ingredients they have from their culture that they're going to add to the stew to see what you get out of it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The, 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 I mean, yeah, my, 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 yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, with this, uh, the, his uh, mistake, uh, in my opinion, this is my opinion, uh, Mike Lane did, was making the father paralyzed, you know, uh, which he fixed in his masterpiece. It's uh, probably uh, his uh, best film, uh, Kiss Up Matar, uh, which translates roughly into Blink of an Eye. And here's the thing. This is based on a true story uh, written by a famous, well, in the Philippines anyway, Filipino writer Nick Joaquin, The House on Zapote Street. And uh, the poster of the the movie design uh, basically gives away the ending. Uh, poster is the, 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 the newspaper clipping uh, of the article the movie was based on. It says, retired cop kills his family than himself. I mean, like, okay, now we know the ending, right? But, right. you know, Mike DeLeon is never about shock endings. I mean, the ending is pretty intense, but it, it's all about what happened before all that. What drove him to do what, what he did, you know? And it's all about suggestion, about psychological, um, what do you call this? The, 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 the father ran his house like a prison camp. There's barbed wire in the front gate. There's like a crossbar he drops in the front door. Uh, he's a retired police sergeant of the Marcus regime. Now, if you know anything about the Philippines at that time during martial law, you know what that means, a police officer in the Marcus regime? He's yeah. pretty much... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Okay. So... Uh, Opening of the film, he finds out his daughter is getting married. And he says, this is news to me. Why are you getting married? And it turns out she's pregnant. So uh, he has to watch his daughter get married. And then he kind of manipulates things so that the, instead of uh, having their honeymoon somewhere and setting out on their own, he has the son-in-law live in the house with the daughter, uh, with his daughter, right? And things go downhill from there. I mean, it's just this gradual descent into uh, manipulation and psychological terror and all, all, all sorts of things. And uh, there, there, there's nothing supernatural about any of this except for the girl's nightmares. But uh, it's a heck of a movie. And here's the crazy thing. Here's the craziest part of it. Um, 
again, I can't say I have documentary evidence, but uh, the, the sense you get is that Mike was putting a lot of himself in the movie. Him and his family. His family owns LVN Studios. I, if I mentioned this from the previous podcast, right? Um, right. LVN Studios was the head of uh, the head was Narcisa de Leon, Mike's grandmother. Now his father, from what I hear, is uh, a real piece of work. And Mike himself is a real eccentric. He's he's uh, he's reclusive. He doesn't really go out much. He doesn't really talk to people uh, except for people he trusts. So all this, this whole family situation here that's really unhealthy and really strange, uh, he's suggesting reflects his own family situation in certain ways, you know? So you got this prison camp with a father dominating everything, right? And the only thing that separates you from this hellhole is like, uh, something as brief and fragile as the blink of an eye. That's 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 the that's what the title is all about. I think, you know, because everything all is right. real. Yeah. The character could be your your next door neighbor raising chickens. He raises earthworms. You know, a retired cop. I mean, it could be a neighbor. It, it, everything is right. so real, but he takes it just a step further. Then he makes you makes you realize that that one step further he took that makes it so horrifying isn't that far from where you are so you're not that far from this horror something very uh, realistic yeah 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 this this is this this really gets me it's been restored it's available on i want it's uh a streaming service only available in Southeast Asia, Singapore, Philippines, so and so forth. Uh, one of these days, I'm hoping it gets out to to to, to American streamer Amazon, and uh, hopefully we get to see it. It has subtitles, English subtitles. You know, it'd be easy to understand. Well, I've always said that, that no like matter how messed up a monster you can put in your movie or how over the top, a ghost story or anything you can make, nothing is as screwed up and as horrifying as real life. Right. Are we right? Absolutely. Yep. You were Agreed. saying something, Carl. Well, I, I was just going to ask if, if that movie sounds like something that uh, uh, Stephen would want to watch, which I guess yeah. he would, to say the least. Yeah, he would. I mean, it's not far from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? There's nothing supernatural about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No. No. Or, or Psycho. Well, yeah. It's like right. uh, one that Carl seen the other day, Daniel Isn't Real. One of the first things Carl said to me is that the director had to put some of his own life into the movie. Right, Carl? Well, it wasn't the director; it was the the, the writer of, of yeah. the script who also uh, uh, adapted his own book. You could tell, and, and basically to tell you, uh, it's on Shutter, and so uh, if you want to watch it, uh, no, but it's a, a film about a young young man in college. He's he, his mother has uh, uh, problems, uh, psychological problems. 
he had a uh, um, imaginary friend when he was young, and then something happens, and he mm-hmm. he then connects with that imaginary friend, and that imaginary friend is not a nice guy, and it's of course a, a separate part of his psyche, and so you've got these two good and bad psyche fighting each other, which one is going to to win out in the end. And even though there are some horror parts into the film, uh, what hit me with this particular film is how real it felt. You know, What's the title again? Uh, uh, the title is called Daniel Isn't Real. Uh. And, and it's on Shudder, if you have Shudder. I recommend it highly. I I cut that shutter. That that tempts me to like resubscribe. That that calls a calls to me like way back when uh, that uh, Cavalcanti Alberto Cavalcanti, the Dead of Night. Remember that? Oh yes, yes, absolutely. Love you know what is crazy about? Yeah, you know you know what is crazy about Mike Michael Redgrave and Dead of Night. Okay. Okay, here, tell me. He he wasn't he wasn't playing a ventriloquist who thinks that his puppet's alive. No, he wasn't playing that at all. You know what he was playing? What? He was, he was playing, playing a ventriloquist. Yeah. He's playing a ventriloquist who knows his puppet's alive and he's pretending that right. he doesn't. Aha. Uh-huh. Right? There's right. a difference. Right? Mhm. There is a difference. Absolutely, and that kind of psychological horror that that that, that goes all the way to what you're saying. Uh, was that uh, David isn't real? Did he get the name uh, right? Daniel. Daniel. Daniel isn't real, and it goes into Kisapata too. The thing with Kisapata though, it's uh, everything there. You, you're so, uh, Filipinos would know about this. Uh, they, uh, all the situations there, like from real life, uh, your 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 mother-in-law, you just got married, and your mother-in-law wants your wife to stay with her because she's sick, and that's a big bother. It, for the most part, for the first half, it's like a comedy. You know, the the the, the in-laws are so demanding. In-laws, right? right? You can't stand them, right? It's such a familiar situation. They just pushes it a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. All of a sudden, it's not funny anymore. Right. You know what I mean, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, here's an, an, another thing I'll, I'll tell you, and here's the crazy thing, right? I don't know if you've ever eaten Filipino food. Oh yeah. Certainly. Well, what have you eaten? What have you had? Uh, that's a good question. I remember. I, I remember. It was um. A rice dish for sure, and uh, I can't think of the name of it. Hold on, I can find out. I Dobo. think adobo, probably, probably. Uh, it had it had uh, it had some not well. It had uh, I think fruit, some fruit or some papaya, but it was very very spicy. Is that adobo? Did it have papaya in it? it? Well, I don't know if it was papaya. It's been a long time. 
I had it like in the eighties. I remember I went to a what restaurant. What kind of meat was it? Chicken or uh, pork? Uh, it was pork. That I do remember. Uh, I'm not was, sure. Maybe it was vegetable. I'm not sure. How about, how about and it might not have been Filipino. It might have been like Malaysian or something. I don't know. Be honest. Uh, I can believe it. It probably had raisins in it, too. Yeah, it did have raisins. Uh, oh, my gosh. It's menudo. Filipino okay. style. The, the, okay. How about Stephen? Have you eaten anything Filipino? No. No? You should try it. We have crazy stuff. We have uh, uh, what we call dinuguan. Uh, you know what that means? It means uh, blood stew. And it's, a, it's a black stew with pork innards. Then we have kinilaw. Okay. We have uh, raw goat meat cooked in vinegar and ginger. And we've eaten uh, locusts. Locusts, you fry it and you stew it. Yeah, so insects. The, uh, mm-hmm. you know, well, I'm gonna we, have to make, what we do with the locust is uh, we uh, deep fry them and put them in molasses. Oh, yeah, that's a Texan mm-hmm. thing, right? Yeah, Texan and Mexican. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, what we do vinegar, so we don't go for the frying, which I think is smarter, frankly. But here, my point is, like, um, if you look at a lot of Filipino movies, you don't see monster movies. You don't see, like, a King Kong or giant rats or giant spiders, anything like that. You notice that? Yes. Right? Well, I think there's two reasons. One is we don't have the money for that. Which makes sense, right? Another reason is right. I don't think they scare us. Yeah, you probably used saw the jungle rats already. <laughs> yeah, if you saw, if I saw a giant spider crossing across Manila, you turn around, you turn away for a moment, it's gone. They've chopped it up and they're they're eating it for you know with beer. <laughs> exactly. So the horror film will be the giant spider running away from these uh, Filipinos with machetes and beer. You think? <laughs> hey, we've we got to give that idea to the Mike Mendez. We've got to give that idea to Mike Mendez. That's a threat. They're part child. <laughs> yeah. Remember Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah. You know, the crackers? Right. First. Right. All I wanted to break out was a slice of lemon and some uh, soy sauce. And wasabi. <laughs> Seriously. The so problem most of our I have with are... most fans is when they go into other cultures' films, is they don't try to go into the other culture. They go, well, I'm going to watch a Filipino horror film. What's the one that's most like the ones that I always watch that's not different from the ones I watch? <laughs> right. You yeah. go to another country and you go for the nearest McDonald's, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So I'm just saying, keep that in mind if you go into these stores. The, the, the monsters are usually human-shaped. 
Oh, there's one uh, called Zuma, Z-U-M-A, and I don't know if it's available anywhere. It's this big green man, half naked, with two giant pythons sticking out of his back, looking over his shoulder. If you Google that, Z-U-M-A, Filipino films, you'll... you'll and I wish I could uh, tell you where you can find them, but I don't know where. Seriously. And, and that's a real shame because these days, you know, with the specialized uh, uh, DVD and Blu-ray people like Mondo Macabro and that sort of thing, you would think they, they would glom onto this, uh, you know, these, these wonderful films. You know, uh, just to introduce audiences to them. I mean, you know, that's the one thing we talked about a little bit uh, on our last podcast was that, you know, the the regionality of Filipino films, with the exception of what was done, you know, and, and exploitation, particularly with uh, Corman and New World, you know, where do you see these things? Where are they known? I mean... Certain films and certain filmmakers, you know, made it to Cannes and and got awards and things like that. But even those films are hard to find, you know, unless you you're looking for them and you know where to find them. That's a real shame. Yeah. I'm looking up on YouTube and we got it's got Barrio K U L I M L I M full episode. Uh. Necrosis, Second Coming, Ouija, Ouija, yeah. Yangal, mm-hmm. and things like that. Shake, Rattle, and Roll Free. Okay, that's cool. I think Monte Macabro used to have Rico Lardis movies. In fact, I'm and sure Rico they Lardis- did. Vico Lard is the one I told you about, uh, his film, Woman in Mud. You know, right? Claudia Cornell, who can give Miss Petty John a run for her money. And uh, she's, <laughs> and, and she, first sight you see of her, she's totally covered in blood and uh, what looks like uh, tendrils or something. You know, arteries or veins or something. You know, she, mm-hmm. she, comes, she comes out of the mud. And uh, she becomes wow. the guy's fantasy. He's a monster. Mm-hmm. Like a succubus or something like, like that? Ooh, uh, well, okay. The story goes something like this. Uh, this guy, he's a archer, college student. He decides to write, a, wants to be a Filipino Stephen King. Goes out into a hut in the middle of nowhere in the jungle. Um, some, mm-hmm. he doesn't cut an old man a service. The old man gives him some kind of seed pod and he says, well, mm-hmm. uh, go ahead and plant to see what happens. But uh, under no case do you ever water it with your urine. And the first thing he does, he plants it and he pees on it. And it grows big and then it splits open and then she steps out. Ow. And they, you know, they have an affair. They really very graphically... Well, I mean, I'm not saying a rated X or anything like that, but, you know, pretty pretty there, right? Then she turns into a predator right. creature. It's like a mix of predator and a uh, story of O or something. 
Wow, I like it already. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. After the exploding scene, I don't think any guy would be like, ooh, sex. They'd be like on the floor going, oh, God. Oh, God. Ow. 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 You, you got to, I Just say, you got to see her. Then you judge for yourself. Yeah. It's in Sugar. Woman of Mud. Check it out. Oh, okay. Oh, it's on Shutter. Okay, well, gotta do that. There you yeah. go, right? But yeah, I mean, I looked it up. There's like, when I quit on YouTube, there's like 30 or 40. They're like newer ones, but still, they're up there. If you're mm-hmm. willing to take a dive, people. Yeah, sure. Prigidaire is on Amazon, the Rico Larda version. Like I said, girl, cool no, yourself on killer fridge. Hey, can't go wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay uh, with that, that, actually. Yeah, yeah sure. And uh, all sorts of stuff. Uh, what's this? This Valentina. She's the girl with uh, snakes in her hair. Like, uh, you know, what's her name? Medusa. Medusa, yeah. Yeah, except, you know, it's in the Filipino horror film. Yeah, we got one of those, uh, Devil Woman, yeah, sure. it was titled. I'll bet. I'm not sure where you can find it, though, if it's available online. Valentina, that's her name. Yeah. And uh, what else? Uh, something called Salvage. Anthony, uh, what's his name again? Gerard Anthony Sanchez. Yeah, that's on YouTube. I seen that when I was looking through that list. And I just Salve, looked up Philippine Horror. Is it like the full movie or just a trailer? Full movie. If you can look it up, I think it's worth looking at. It's uh, about, you know, Filipino journalists. They go to the provinces and they get killed by the military. So there's a political content. But here, the military, uh, it gets a little weird, a little strange. Because, what do you call that? Uh, Either the villagers are crazy or reality. uh, I don't know what you call it. Uh, It's a cross between uh, Oliver Stone and David Lynch, something like that. Nice. Okay. Isn't it? If you can find it, I recommend that one. Okay, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the stuff is out there. You just need to make the effort to try and find it. And since we're all stuck in, don't watch Friday the 13th Part 23 or whatever movie you like for the 42nd time in a row. Look up something different. It's like Going to a new restaurant or a new Filipino restaurant or any kind of new foreign restaurant, you're not going to try to eat the same thing you get from your local takeout joint or the same thing. You're going to see some, try something new because you never know what they're going to be able to do good. Absolutely. Yeah, my dad used to say when we were kids, and I have uh, an older brother and an older sister, and... Uh, he said, well, how how do you know you like something? 
you don't like something unless you try it. And I was only I was the only kid I would do that. So we'd go to a restaurant, and invariably the joke was I would order the most expensive thing on the rest on on the menu, which was more than often correct. Uh, but yeah, you get to try different things, and and, and that's that. I tried to do that with my kids. I teach. Uh, Kids, when 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 we're not under quarantine, uh, uh, music and music theory and, and and appreciation, and I try to get them to listen to different things, because you know, the, the the culture out there, it's it's a wonderful thing to find something new that you connect with, because then if it's from a different culture, you connect to that culture, and I think that's a wonderful thing. And, and and something that I, I really appreciate. And that's why I love films like this. You know, uh, if I, I can I, just uh, interrupt you one more time, Carl. Yeah, uh, sure. Tiana, there's, uh, Tiana's available on Amazon. The half okay. horse, half man thing. And here's the thing. Oh, uh, cool. It's, uh, yeah, it's an Amazon. It's directed by Peke Galiaga. And he's he's a pretty good stylist. I mean, uh, I I don't always like his movies, but they're they're they're, he, you know, he knows how to direct, move the camera. He knows how to use color and all that. He uh, it, at least the movie is something to look at if the script's not great. So he he mm-hmm. he he did the first shake rattle roll the Mananangal episode. He he did the movie okay. called Tiana, the half horse half man, and he did an, a swung movie. Very cool. And the crazy thing about a Swang movie, uh, there's an old lady there, Lilia Kuntapai. She has long, flowing white hair. And, you know, ever since that movie, she's been like a mini celebrity where, you know, they, they stick her into every horror movie. And she's a scary as heck. I've met her. She's cool. Oh, that's and here's the crazy cool. thing, you know, there, I know. I remember this one. Oh, it was in Demons. In Pangat Napuso, Mario Harris movie. He stripped naked. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? He's what, 80 years old? And he's naked? He'll do anything. Totally naked. Uh, well, you know. And, uh, you know, she's game. She'll do anything and everything. She's a little nuts that way. And that's cool. I love her. I love her for that. Oh, I agree. <laughs> and, uh, and no, no, yeah. To use horror as a gateway. If you watch Filipino horror films and you like those, move on to drama. If you like the draw, act, drama, move on to action. Always try to use one genre as a stepping stone into the next genre of the culture. Absolutely. There's one. Yeah, I'm not agreed. sure if I can find it. Yes, it's on. Oh, it's not available. There are copies on DVD. It's called Remington and the Curse of the Zombadinks. How do you Ooh. like the title? I love the title. Yeah, but then you know what Bading means? It means gay in uh, slang, Filipino slang. So okay. they conflate the curse of zombie with the curse of, you know, how, because the filmmaker's gay and he, 
yeah, how he conflicts, like how he feels like sometimes being gay is a curse. So, right. Yeah, you know, you, you elicit sympathy for the zombie. At the same time, elicit the sympathy for uh, homosexuals. And uh, here's the cool part of it. If you're getting the DVD, because I saw the DVD, uh, there's a special feature there where uh, if you turn on the subtitles, you can get English subtitles or you can get Bekimon. Bekimon is the gay speak of Filipino in Filipino culture nowadays. They can translate mm, ordinary cool. English into gay speak or something like that. It's pretty colorful. It's a it's a it's a fun language. I can't follow it. I need subtitles, <laughs> but it's fun. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, one one thing I will tell you is that our podcast we're we're very LGBTQ friendly, and uh, and that is something I never knew. That that would be something I'd need to really check check into. Uh, yeah. So I what was the name of that again? Give me the name of that again. Okay. Remington. I said like the razor blade. Remington and right. the curse right. of zombadins. Zombie with the A-D-I-N-G-S. Okay. Okay, cool. I got to check that out. Oh, I have I one more title out. for you. Okay, one cool. One more title for you. Salsa Ad Castillo, Sanib. S A N I B. It's a good old fashioned possession exorcism movie, right? My thing is though, oh, cool. I like this better I like this better than Exorcist. Okay, I think that's this, saying uh, something. This, yeah, with 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 a fraction of the budget. Here's the thing, it's uh, you know, Celso Ad Castillo is another one of those great filmmakers, and he'll do anything. He'll do action, he'll do skin flicks, he'll do drama, and he'll do horror. He's pretty good in horror. One of his classics called Kill Barbara with Fear, Patayin and Sinduk, so Sinduksi Barbara. And that's pretty good, too. But that's not available, so I can't really recommend that. Sanib is available. It's not as good as Barbara, but it's worth looking at. All right. So yeah, now are there any any other films or or you want to give us a little more information on that particular one? Um, let Why me do see. you like it so much? Or? I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, the, no, I the, it's kind of. Uh, it ha- it makes a point. That's why I prefer it over The Exorcist. Something like, uh, why are why would a demon choose someone? In The Exorcist, it's just a ah, random thing. Okay. You know, it's like a, here they actually give a reason. You'll have to watch the movie because uh, I'm looking at my article have on the you, film. Uh, I never really mentioned it. Ever seen Exorcist? The cut, the the newest cut of it that came out in 2000. Which one, Sanib? No, the no, no, no. He's the talking American. Oh, 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 the one with the spider walk. Yeah. What do you think? 
Well, you said they didn't give any reasons random because in the new one they actually had the scene that Blatty wrote that explains why the little girl would be possessed. Ah, uh, I think it's more like it explains why the little girl won't be repossessed once she's exercised. Mm. Well, what they said in the movie is to kill hope in us, to destroy our hope. Uh, yeah, that, that you, you, uh, I think, yeah, I think that you're right there. Yeah. I didn't like the spider walk, personally. That's because it was too close to the scene of, uh, what's-his-name's death. You can't have, you can't have two big shot punches that close to each other. One and it's too early in the film. Don't you mm-hmm. think it's too early in the film? Yeah, but still, it's like... I'm pregnant, and it's your brother's. No. You know, why? <laughs> you know. You can't do a double punch like that, can you, Carl? No. No, no I, I happen to agree no. with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Andrew well, Level uh, has a yeah, compilation or something, four hours of yes, uh He sold uh, himself, it's a DVD-R with about six hours worth of Filipino horror and action films in it. Mm-hmm. I think that's and worth it. a lot it. of it uh, unreleased stuff. If you look him oh, up on uh, Facebook and write him, or just look up and try to find an email to get in touch with him, you can, he sells them directly. Yeah, Andrew L E V O L D Levold. Yeah. Right, and uh, I have a website for Filipino films, horror films, anime, horror films. I write about the. I think I wrote about Lighthouse. Maybe not. John Carpenter. I love John Carpenter. All that. So mine is Critic After Dark. One word at blogspot dot com. And there you can uh, buy your book too. You've got a book out there. Yeah. No. Yeah. With the Might chair. Might as well give it a whole plug here, kid. Sure, sure. Uh, so uh, it, uh, it has. Uh, I write about horror movies too in the book. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it's called Critic After Dark. Your book, right? Yeah, Critic After Dark. And the reason why is uh, like for the. For years, I was a bank officer back in Manila, and during the day, I'd work in a bank, and during the night, I'd see and write about movies. So, um, you know, I changed my, I have a secret identity after dark. <laughs> movie reviewer by dark. Batman, uh, yeah, that's not as cool as being a movie reviewer. Critic uh, after very cool. Cineast by dark. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Something like that. Well, uh, no, as always, it's a pleasure to have you on. I really appreciate it. And uh, um, and we'll do this again sometime. We'll keep in touch. But you've been uh, you've been a you. great guest, and it's nice to do this this follow up for 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 our uh, listeners. And and also, I want to give a real thank thank you to uh, uh, Stephen and Wildside. Radio and that for having us on today and uh, uh, giving us a little plug. So really appreciate it. 
very, very much. And Stephen, what what do we have planned here coming coming up? We have planned What's for you going to give me the twenty bucks that you owe me for this one hour worth of time. Uh, oh, okay. I owe it to you, okay? I owe it to you. <laughs> well yeah. This Saturday, which is the next show, I don't know if we're gonna do Forbidden Planet this week. I'm taking a well-deserved break, and it's going to be me, Carl, and Tony Strauss doing performance. And Sunday, me and Carl is going to be doing an Easter movie. Yes, we are. Have we decided that we're going to do the one that you gave me, or are you still looking? I think we're going to do the one with uh, Hervé Villachez, because any Hervé Villachez movie is a religious experience. <laughs> yeah, this is true. <laughs> so so we'll be doing on Sunday, Easter Sunday, we're going to give you a wonderful uh, uh, version of uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, along with uh, basically Herve Villachez and Dr. Sidney Freeman. We'll be doing Greaser's Palace as as uh, our, our watch on, on Easter. So that will be a lot of fun. Um if you don't mind, yeah. me, can, can I just, uh, yeah. Uh, did you know that uh, Roberta Rossellina has a Christ movie? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, The Messiah. You should check it out. I think it's pretty good. It's one of the best out there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, let me know where I can find that. I'll, I'll check it on, on YouTube, okay? It's called yeah, The Messiah. It's basically Christ's uh, story with it. With a socialist leftist bent. Oh, that's always cool. I'm uh, yeah, I'm a left leaning person. Yeah, I'll, I'll I can go with that. I can go with that. Uh, also on on DLN uh, on Thursday we're going to have uh, John Kaufman on. John worked with uh, um, with uh, Ralph Bakshi on several films. We're going to be going into a deep dive into Ralph Bakshi and his filmography with John Kaufman, and uh, Stephen is going to join me on that. And then on Friday, on, Adam... Sorry. Oh, say that again, Steve? I'm on vacation. Well, well, okay, fine. Well, you can go off vacation if you want. <laughs> <laughs> and on uh, Friday, uh, Adam uh, Ferenz is going to uh, uh, focus on the cathode ray mission and uh, the uh, advent of streaming and and, 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 and and that sort of thing and going to the movies and how that's all going to work out with what we're going through right now. So that's going to be on uh, on Friday. So I've got a pretty busy week in front of me. Again, I want to give a shout out and a real thank you for Noel Vera for being with us tonight. No, as Thank always, you. it's been a real pleasure, man. It really has. Yeah. And nice meeting you, Stephen. Nice meeting you, too. And to quote George Clinton, and this goes to Philippine cinema, free your mind and the rest will follow, and the colors of the universe will be open to you. So always keep your Absolutely. mind open and try something different. You won't be disappointed. Uh, can I just quote something else? Go ahead. It's not from any. Uh, it's not from any writer. It's what we practice. We Filipinos practice. You are what you eat. Amen. 
All right. Absolutely. But what does that say about people who review crappy movies? Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> and I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, folks. Listen, thank you very much for listening. Uh, and uh, we will be back later. Again, thanks, Stephen. And um, shall we just go out on, on, on that, or do I want to try to play us out, out on something? Let's just okay. Go out. Here we go. Good night, people. Good night.